So, we met online. This is a podcast about love, sex, and everything in between the world of online dating. I'm Erica. And I'm Chris. Welcome to So We Met Online. If you're looking for more information, find us online at SoWeMetOnline.com and all social media at SoWeMetOnline. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash SoWeMetOnline. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, Eric and I talk to Xavier. So we met when my sister introduced us in 1997. So I lived in Boston. He lived in Atlanta. He flew up to meet me. And this was in the days, the nascent days of email. So we all had it, but it was usually AOL. Okay. So I think we did probably chat. What was your AOL screen name? (laughs) Mine was Great Day 99. But like GR8. You got mail. Mine was um, Hung Daddy. No, it wasn't. No, it was not. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Okay. Okay, So you can't put that in there because people will be able to identify me. Oh, we're going to put that in there. That's what she said. So he flew to Boston and we went to dinner and I actually had a date afterwards. So you had two dates in one day? Yes. Wow, you're calling in Erica. Yeah, I wasn't even really that interested. So we went out to dinner and I just said, oh, I don't feel good or something and went to have my other date and then never thought of it again. So you didn't like him? Not really. So 10 months later, I had made the decision to move back to Atlanta where he lived. And on a lark, I guess I called or texted. No, I don't think we texted back then. I emailed him. And he said, sure, let's get together for dinner. So I went to his house and the first thing he said was, wow, you look really good and different. Hmm. I had been seeing a trainer at the time. So we went to dinner and drank way too much and ended up mashing later on. But that was it. Did you say mashing? Mm-hmm. Making out. <laughs> Is that what the cool kids call it? The cool kids called it in 97. Okay. So, you- <laughs> so anyway, let's just go way fast forward. That was in the fall of 97 in, the, in, in December of 97. And then I think we somehow decided we were really interested in each other. And I moved to Atlanta in 98 and we kind of started dating. My sister and I had an apartment that year. And at the end of the year, we decided to build a house. So we built a house and we moved in. In Atlanta. In Atlanta, we built this beautiful, big, not like me, 3,000 square foot McMansion. No, because anyone who knows you knows you like a city and we we live in condos. Well, and I was like 32, 33. Okay. So it was a a good time in my life. I had never really been in a long-term relationship. So, but it was just, you know, I, I think somewhere in my heart of hearts, I knew I was wrapped up in the idea of being in a relationship more than the relationship itself. Yeah, and that's something we can definitely talk about because I think a lot of people, myself included, have been in relationships yeah. where we're wrapped up in the idea or the on paper or the feeling of being in the relationship, yeah. and it's not necessarily the person. That's right. Having the trappings of a relationship. Right. Saying we and going on expensive trips to Greece. Right. And, and being and able having to a big, beautiful house. Knowing you have plans on Friday night. That's right. So at the time, that was important to me. Now I don't give a shit. <laughs> Over, so we built this beautiful house and moved in, and it was fine. But it was clear, like, we weren't totally on the same page, sexually and in other ways. But, you know, like, we didn't fight a lot. But one time we had this huge fight where I was driving in our neighborhood, and I got so mad at him, I dropped from fourth to first gear and went careening around a corner in the neighborhood and came crashing into the driveway, not hitting anything. Now, is this happening over the course of time? Like, you started to notice over the course of time? Or did you notice while you were in the process of building this house? 
No, no, at the time I was wrapped up in, oh, it's such a big, beautiful house, everybody's going to think yeah. we have such a big, beautiful house. Yeah. Right. Okay, which was kind of, my sister, uh, my other sister got married, and we had a huge party for like 50 people in the house, and everybody said, oh, what a big, beautiful house, and it was like. I it, get that. At the time, it was important. And then one day, we were sitting in the great room of this big, beautiful house. (laughs) The great room. It's like Harry Potter. (laughs) It's like just a McMansion. So we're sitting in there, and I don't know, having coffee or something, and out of nowhere, he says, you know, you're too demonstrative, and you say, I love you too much. And I just was sort of taken aback, and he said, oh, well, do you want to go to lunch? (laughs) And in retrospect, this is the time I should have said, well, this clearly isn't working, and based on your feelings, this is never going to work. Let's go call a realtor and start dividing our stuff because this is I can't live with somebody who right. feels who a feels that way and b would say it in such a way and not realize what a shitty thing it is to say and not realize that there's just such a thing as as leading into it and would be prepared to back it up. So at some point soon thereafter, so we were in the house I don't know maybe ten or eleven months and he hated his job. He got an offer for a job in Southern California, where he's from. And I remember sitting in the same great room while he was upstairs on the phone with, I guess, getting an offer. Mm -hmm. And he came downstairs and he said, it's totally up to you. Whether to move or not. All right. If you don't want to move, I won't be upset. I completely understand. And I said, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I'll move. Yeah, okay. I'll move. Thinking somehow that would make it better. He'd be happier in his career. So you make this grand gesture of moving So I make this big gesture, like colossally stupid. And... And as I was on the plane landing at John Wayne Airport, I remember thinking, I'm not sure this is actually the best idea I've ever had. Yeah. (laughs) Sort of like way too late. So we had bought another house. And so we moved in and we never got back to where we were. And you thought the move would help the relationship? I guess at some level. Yeah. And I got up the next morning to go for a run to try to clear my head. In the middle of the run, it just, like people always say, I just knew. Mm-hmm. instantly this is yeah. like, it's over i was really um, uncomfortable and he kept saying what's the matter what's the matter finally he goes are you do you want to break up and i said yeah this just isn't so working. you think probably he knew too. of course he knew. and then it was incredibly awkward and uncomfortable and we lived in the same house i'm in this oh so one funny thing so his name is xavier too <laughs> you were both named xavier yeah we were both named xavier <laughs> well let's hold on <laughs> Sorry. let's be a little clear here Xavier is obviously a made-up name. Oh, right. come on. Right? We weren't going to share on, that. No. And right, fine. it just well, so happens, though, that you were in a relationship with somebody who had the same, same name. name. That's fine. right. And so one time my parents made a donation in somebody's name and they lay and listed the names of their children. And my dad one day said, people are wondering why we named two of our kids Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> two of our sons the same name. And what's really funny... When we, no, when this is funnier, when we built our house, it was a brand new neighborhood. There was another couple, and they were also both named Xavier. <laughs> but, but we called them the shitty Xaviers. Everybody, everybody hated them. They were real snooty. Oh. Although one of them had a solid convertible that I was joking. Oh about. my god, this is amazing. Yeah. Why does a, uh, an episode of Modern Family come to mind here? <laughs> because of 9-11, you know, the economy took an immediate mm-hmm. nosedive, and we couldn't sell our house. My dad he said, you know, what's the matter, Xavier? I said, like, I just can't do this anymore. This is ridiculous. And he said, you need to call him right now and tell him in no uncertain terms, you moved out there for him. He needs to either figure out a way to get the money or somehow buy you out. You wow. can't live like this. Right. And I, I called other Xavier. the other Xavier and said, in no uncertain terms, this is done. Thank you. You're welcome. For sharing that story. But it wasn't a very happy story or a funny one. Well, there were funny moments. Uh, it was funnier funny. when everyone else thought your name was actually Xavier. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, we in that punchline. No, but that really opens the door to talking about, I mean, I think the main theme here is so many people do things in relationships that they think are going to, quote, save the relationship, when in reality they know in their heart of hearts that that thing is just going to exacerbate the problem. So after the break, Chris and I will come back and talk about it. 
Just for you, our listeners of So We Met Online, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I don't know about you, but I have a guilty pleasure, and that is playing Candy Crush on my phone. But I feel like I have to balance out the dying brain cells by educating myself while I'm playing, so I can listen to an audiobook from Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash SoWeMetOnline for a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. So I heard two major themes in that story. First one was sticking around in a relationship probably longer than you should. Definitely. And making sacrifices or making decisions to try to keep the relationship going. That may be bad decisions. Right. I think a lot of couples who are struggling tend to think that making big life commitments will help improve the relationship. Well, sure. You hear about couples all the time who have children to, quote, save the marriage. Right. That's the opposite of what a couple should be doing if they're thinking that the marriage is not working. Right. I mean, I did it in my marriage. You did? We did it in our marriage. Are you you comfortable sharing? I'll share anything you want to know about my marriage because it was awful. (laughs) So, But yeah, I think at some point in time we said, you know, this isn't working out. So you, got, How, you got married at 24, 25? 25. Okay. So yeah. you're pretty young. Okay. I don't even think we had the conversation. I just think we were looking for something to distract us from the problems in the relationship. Why not have a kid? A baby will definitely distract us. Sure. And will definitely you. bring our relationship closer together, right? No, it does not. Of course not. <laughs> I can tell you right now, babies put more strain on the relationship than not having a baby. I mean, even in a good relationship, I don't think a, a, a child could not bring a strain to right. a relationship. In a great relationship where you communicate on a regular basis and you support each other, it will put strains on the relationship. Of course. So we said, let's have a baby. Oh, the relationship still isn't working. Let's have another baby. Oh, the relationship still isn't working. How about if we move to another state? Because... Maybe we just need to get away. Your problems follow you. Well, your problems follow you. But again, you're doing all this in attempts to try to find happiness or try to find peace with whatever is going on in the relationship. Right. And again, if you really think about it logically, at least I can think about it now stepping back. Why would moving do that? Of course. I I mean... I mean, you're trying to change all of the things at the periphery, right? You're trying to change... All the things on the margins. But the reality of it is, if the core is broken, any changes on the periphery can't really fix that. Right. And again, we hear this in relationship conversations all the time. Oh, you know, I'm not happy, but, you know, I think if I have a baby, everything's going to be okay. Right. I hear it from women a lot. I've heard it too. Same thing again, you go back to like the moving. Well, okay, if... Your foundation, for for most of us, we have a foundation, a community of family members and friends who live near us, and that community is our support for a relationship. Okay. And so you can leverage friends and family to help watch the kid or help go to the grocery store or, you know, some of these very minor things, mm-hmm. and you move, you lose all of that. Right. 
I have a question. In Xavier's story, and in your own, is there an element of embarrassment where you're too stoic or embarrassed to say, this isn't working, I need to leave? Because I could see that. I could see someone saying, like in his case, oh my goodness, we just built this huge, expensive McMansion. I'm embarrassed to tell people I'm not happy because we just went through this. Right, I think there's a lot of elements to that where in my upbringing, I was taught that divorce is never an option. Oh, divorce has a totally different connotation now than it used to. Absolutely. And I remember actually having a phone call with my father. I had gotten into a huge argument with my wife at the time. And I said, I need to just get out of here. Mm -hmm. So I got in the car. I drove off. You meant like temporarily? Like in my head, I'm like, I need to breathe. I Uh need to get out. Okay. So I got in my car. I drove off. I ended up in some random parking lot somewhere. Okay. And my father calls me because I guess my wife called my parents saying, Chris just stormed out. I have no idea where he is. What's going on? So my dad calls me and the conversation pretty much went like this. It's your responsibility. You get back to that house and you figure it out. Divorce is not an option. I sat there and I was like, well, okay, I guess that's what I have to do. So I go back to the house. I try to figure it out. Fast forward five years, we'll say. And we end up going through the divorce. And I remember my parents uh, sitting down with me through the divorce process. And they said, oh, we didn't really see this. If we would have known, we probably would have handled this. known what was going on right. in the relationship. Well, first of all, they're not in the relationship. Right, Ultimately, exactly. who are they to tell you what makes you happy or not? While I do believe people throw in the towel too soon often these days with so many options out there, ultimately... If you're not happy, you do have to do something to make yourself happy. I know far too many couples, especially our parents' generation and older, who are together because that's what they know. Right. Divorce to them has a huge stigma. And they're like, I'm going to stick it out. But who is that serving? Each one of us have our individual belief system. That's absolutely true. And there are several people out there that do not believe in divorce. I have a girlfriend who I went to school with. We graduated the same year of high school, et cetera, same age. She got married at a young age. Her husband, at a point in time in the relationship, cheated on her. But she refused, absolutely adamantly refused to ever get divorced. And she said, I'm going to figure out a way to forgive him and work through this and make it work. I mean, I respect that in many ways. Because I made a commitment And I don't break my commitments. I respect that in many ways. But also, you have to be happy. So it's finding that balance. Right. You know, to take it to an extreme, we all probably have heard, at least, of stories where the relationship may be abusive of some sort. Mm -hmm. Now, not only should you get out of that relationship, but you're also almost scared to get out of that relationship. So it's a different dynamic, but it's the same thing where... We feel like we're stuck or obligated or we have to stay in this relationship for whatever the reason is. And there could be very legitimate reasons that you need to escape. So I'm curious, when you and your ex-wife decided to have your first child, how did you think that was going to save the marriage? I think the first child, 
had nothing to do with we were unhappy. So you were happy at that point. Uh, I would say, <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh, uh, have I opened a can of worms? No. I would say that in the master scheme of things, we should never have gotten married. And okay, it was well, a mistake to get married in the first... Right. In the moment, when you're in that relationship in the moment, again, I don't think you're having this conversation like, oh, I'm unhappy. I think we should get married. I do, however, believe that she wanted to have children. I think she pressured me into having children. And I do think by the second child, it was more as a way to ensure more stability in the Mm -hmm. marriage or even to trap me into the marriage more long term. Do you think other people make decisions to stay because, well, I'm sure this is true. I know a lot of people, you know, especially, look, I work with clients who are single and don't want to be. And at a certain point, they decide that staying with someone to them outweighs the cost of going out on more first dates. So they stick with something when maybe they know they shouldn't or maybe they know this person isn't the best fit because it's the best option right now, so hold on to it. I'm not saying that's a decision I would ever advise or make myself, but I do believe that that is something that goes through many people's mind. I'm hesitant to use the word settle because, look, I think plenty of people settle, but if they in their head don't think they're settling, I suppose they're not settling. I do believe people rationalize their decisions by looking at the alternative and deciding they don't want to go through that. Sure. And that alternative could be on multiple levels, like we've just talked about. I don't want to go through this because I don't want the embarrassment of telling my friends and family I'm getting a divorce. Right. I don't want to go through it because I don't want to have to go out and try to find somebody else. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go through it because people might look at me differently. Right. All of those are things we process or we think about before making these big giant decisions. No, it's, it's true. Now, I also think, though, that people are staying in relationships for admirable reasons, Like, we'll take Xavier, for example. He clearly had feelings for this person, and he clearly wanted to try to make that relationship work. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to move to keep this relationship, per se. But it was, I'm going to make the effort to try to put into this relationship and get back what I'm, you know, hoping to get out of it. It wasn't until the decision was made that he then said... I think I made a bad decision. And I think we also all go through that. I think we do too. This is a really trivial example. So I don't want anyone to think I'm making this story analogous to getting a divorce because I'm very much not. But it has a lot of the same themes. So I used to have a Dodge Neon. I loved (laughs) that car. It's like a 2008, I think, Dodge Neon. And it just died in the middle of the street once. So obviously I was pretty upset about that. And I didn't know what car I wanted, but I didn't want a neon anymore. So I really wanted the new Mitsubishi Eclipse. I just thought it was the hottest car in town. And they had this (laughs) sunset orange color and I just, I wanted it. So I went to the dealership and I bought it. And I was really proud of myself, you know, it was my first like big car purchase on my own. And I bought the car and I had it for the first few months and I was embarrassed to tell anyone I hated it. 
I hated driving the thing. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was not made for short people. I felt like I was straining to see over the dashboard, which is not safe. Even though it was an automatic, it was rolling back on hills. I actually had to drive oh. a different way home from work because, God forbid, I should get stuck on this one hill at a red light. I thought I was going to crash. Sheer embarrassment. I didn't say a word for right. about six months. And finally, I couldn't take it anymore. After six months, I I told the person I was seeing at the time, I said, Brian, I hate my new car. <laughs> and he was like, why don't you just say something? And while, again, this is so much more trivial than any you know interpersonal right. relationship, it's a lot of the same things because... I was embarrassed. I had made a commitment of sorts. You know, I had a car payment. That's a commitment. I was too stoic. Ultimately, I ended up selling that car to the mini dealership and got bought a Mini Cooper and I was much happier. But I see that concept of, you know, rolling with the punches. <laughs> In yeah. my case, literally, for <laughs> or rolling downhill with the punches. <laughs> but I see that a little bit. And while we know, looking objectively, that that's not a healthy decision necessarily to make. I see why people make it sometimes. Yeah, and I think if we go beyond making poor decisions to try to find happiness in a relationship, the other topic is we stay too long in relationships that we shouldn't. And I think a lot of times we see red flags starting to materialize. And instead of opening up and talking about those red flags or tuning into what those red flags are and and how they're impacting you, we a lot of times will ignore the red flags and say, well, at least I'm not single. Yeah, I really like all of this other stuff. And it's okay if there's these little red flags over here, because I'm still happy for now. Yeah, and it's so dependent on what those red flags are. I mean, I say in any relationship, everyone has a set of perceived flaws, right? A flaw you know, flaws are different to different people. My laugh might be a flaw to someone. Uh, It was definitely a flaw to this woman in the front row once at the Fantastics in New York. (laughs) She gave me the evil eye when I was laughing. And you know what? I don't care. (laughs) But it's what perceived flaws can you live with and which can't you live with. And it's, it's that decision. And if you decide that these flaws are too much for you, but you decide to stay regardless, then that's what we're talking about. Right. And it's ultimately on you to... One, recognize it, and two, act upon it. I remember being in a relationship, and I don't know if I've ever told this story on one of our episodes, but I had just met this woman online, and we were dating for about three weeks. It wasn't really a long relationship. Everything was going really smooth. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. it just was working out. And I remember going over to her place, and we were in the kitchen, and we were having a conversation, And she started to tell me that she's having problems sleeping at night or getting a full night's rest when I'm in bed with her. I think that's true in a lot of new couples. I think, right. That's absolutely true in a lot of new couples. But what she said afterwards is what really stuck. She basically said, if I continue to not be able to sleep, then I'm going to have to ask you to sleep on the couch. (laughs) As soon as she said that, I go, there it is. The red flag, right? It instantly popped in my head like, oh, this isn't going to work. So I try to probe the question a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so let's look at different scenarios. What does this mean? What does that mean? So mm-hmm. are you saying that if this was to happen, what if we ever got married? Would you ask me to sleep on the couch from time to time? And she said, well, maybe it would depend. And that's when I was like, well, this just, it's not going to work, right? <laughs> but I said, you know what? Let's just continue to see how things evolve, mm-hmm. right? For the another couple of weeks. 
And as the weeks progressed, she was starting to leave bed to go sleep on the couch in order to appease me to make sure that I got sleep. And I'm like, this just isn't going to work. But it was one of those things where I sensed that red flag immediately Mm -hmm. because I know what I need in my relationship and I had to talk about it. Well, I think that's the key of all of this. It's probably the key of all of our episodes that we've ever, 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 exactly, communication. If something's on your mind, say it. Yeah. Because no one's a mind reader. No one has any clue what is going on in that brain of yours or mine or anybody's. Unless you say the words. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people hear the red flags or those red flags materialize in some whatever form and either they don't talk about it Mm -hmm. and they linger or the next day you get a text message saying, I don't think this is going to work. And you're like, why? What happened? Right. Exactly. It's like you weren't paying attention. Right. Well, I always say, you know, when someone shows you his or her true colors, listen, I remember once and we'll end with this. I was dating someone very briefly who I thought was a look, you know. I thought he was a little self-centered, but, you know, we were still getting to know each other. And he said to me in the car once, he goes, you know that Guster song, Center of Attention? Well, he he asked me that, and I do have, I like Guster, I happen to know that song. He goes, yeah, I think that song was written about me. (laughs) I should have listened. (laughs) And with that, speaking of listening, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening.